So, Lord, we thank you so much. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together tonight. And, Lord, I thank you for people that are hungry to hear your word, even if it's challenging and even if it's convicting and even if it's tough to hear. You have blessed us as pastors with a group of people that are so hungry for you. And, Lord, I don't want to let them down, and I don't want to let you down, and I need your strength in order to be able to impart your word tonight. So I ask that you would anoint my mind so it won't be foggy since I hadn't had any meat in a little while, Lord. I need to <laughs> let my mind be clear-headed. I don't want to stop up what you're speaking. And then, Lord, I ask that you would open their ears and their hearts to receive your word so that it will fall on fertile ground we want to do a work for you. In Jesus' name, amen. I just had to throw that in there. To my vegetarian friends that offended them, I have, I have, I have one. I have a vegetarian friend. So. Okay, so uh, Master Miracle. Master Miracle is a series within a series. Didn't intend for it to be. We are on the 10th lesson of Miracle Signs and Wonders. We are on the third lesson uh, of a master miracle. So I spent the last two weeks um, laying down a foundation, pointing out similarities and parallelisms of our lives today to the lives of the children of Israel under Pharaoh's oppression. I uh, spent a couple of weeks... Uh, identifying and comparing our real master, which is God Almighty, to worldly masters. And that's what I'm going to spend the next however long talking about. We're going to identify some of these worldly taskmasters. And, and over those two weeks, I did point this out. It is possible, and I'm not going to go back to that scripture. You can go check those out on YouTube. It would be last week and the week before, but there's a couple of scriptures that I pointed out that God said, my people are, and in so many words, he was referring to his people, yet they were under the oppression of taskmasters. And I just brought out that there's two masters in that scripture. There's our real master and then a worldly master. Trying to get us to kind of see that um, the enemy has planted worldly masters in our lives that as God starts moving on us and pulling us to more of him we will feel a constriction we will feel a constraint we will feel a restriction or a restraint how many of you that is applicable God starts wanting to do something in your life and you feel like oh all hell breaks loose all right well that's that is how the enemy operates so let me read my notes here so I can make sure I recap this. Okay, there's, um, <clears throat> we discussed how all masters are rulers and how all of us are subjects who will serve, all right? So God is a master. He will rule, but Satan poses as a master. He's a ruler of darkness, and he will rule, okay? And so you've got God... And, the, and Satan, which is not God's equal, but he is greater than us. Satan is more powerful than us in our own strength. Don't ever try to bow up to the enemy without the authority of Jesus Christ. Don't ever face him with any other backing 
or any other badge other than Jesus Christ because that's where our authority comes from. So he is greater than us without our redemption and without the authority that Jesus gives us, but he is no, um, no equal to God. But he is a ruler. He's a ruler of darkness. God Almighty is the ruler of all. We are subjects. Look over to your friend and say, you will serve. Okay, that's what I pointed out last week. You will serve. But it is which master that we serve that is key. Okay? Which master we're going to serve is key to our eternal salvation. It's key to our earthly peace. It is key to our prosperity. It is key to our potential. We're not just talking about salvation here. We are talking about hell on earth too. And if you serve another master, it's a hard, hard road. Okay? So in studying all of this, we were able to discover that Jesus' words of no man can serve two masters... Those words have proven to be so true and relevant in Moses' day, in Jesus' day, and we're going to spend the next few weeks with me proving to you in your life too. So if you have the presence of more than one master, just know Jesus knew what he was talking about. You will serve one and despise the other. And if the enemy has his way, you will despise God you will start wondering why God is requiring so much. You'll start saying things like, but I just don't think it takes all of that. I mean, why is God, I mean, why are our pastors requiring that? Who said you got to be so radical? Those key words are the presence of another master in your life, okay? You can write those down. That's a classic signature of his. If you catch yourself saying, I don't think it takes all that, start looking for the other master. Or I don't have to be, I don't have to be that radical, Just a few that I've heard through the years. All right, so let me make some key points here as I transition from last week to this week. Write this down in all caps. God wants us to serve him. God wants you to serve him. Plain and simple. Elementary. God wants you to serve him. Number two, Satan's goal is to oppress you, distract you, and keep you from serving God. He's the opposition. And he does it through worldly taskmasters. And number three, God is willing and ready to use miracles, signs, and wonders to free us from the oppression and the bondage of worldly taskmasters. He did it in the book of Exodus, and he is here, he has me here telling you, That, okay, you may identify some taskmasters in your life. There is no shame in that. He is saying, I want you to serve me so badly that I'm willing to perform miracles, give signs, and perform wonders in order to set you free from the worldly taskmasters. So one of the most dangerous things that can happen in this part of the series is for you to stay in denial or refuse to admit your taskmasters. That's going to cause you to miss out on the miracles, signs, and wonders that God is intending to put into action to draw you out. So just admit it. Let's just admit it. Okay? There's no shame. We're all going to admit it together, and then we're all going to get the miracles, signs, and wonders together. Right? Amen? Okay. So tonight we're going to identify three worldly taskmasters that Satan has used for centuries 
centuries. He's used this for centuries in order to, these are good words to write down, in order to oppress, in order to distract, and in order to deter. He wants to oppress, he wants to distract, and he wants to deter. Okay? And he uses, I'm going to talk about three taskmasters that he uses tonight. Let me set uh, kind of your perspective with this really quick. <clears throat> Would you put the, the clip art pictures up there? Is that Michaela? Thank you, baby girl. You're wonderful. All right, so not a taskmaster that I'm talking about tonight, but I'm going to use this as an example cause I, because I need to develop a paradigm for everybody. I need you to be able to see this the same way because I'm going to be talking about three good things. So don't be distracted when you hear the three taskmasters I'm talking about and say, you had to go there, but this is necessary, but I need this in my life. I know we need this in our lives. And so it's not, it's not the subject that I'm talking about. It's the it is an improper relationship with the subject, okay? So follow me here because this is going to set your paradigm for the rest of the night. So everybody can tell me the two adults in those pictures are obviously teachers, correct? Teachers. Teachers are necessary, right? Teachers are good, right? Teachers are, um, you know... The Bible actually says that he gave uh, certain ones to the church to equip the saints, and he included teachers in there, okay? So teachers, it, God intends for us to teach. I spent 13 years at a public school under many teachers. They taught me a lot, all right? Let me just tell you that if we didn't have teachers downstairs right now, this service would be completely different because you try to have 120 kids up here for this lesson number one i wouldn't be teaching and number two you wouldn't be hearing teachers are good we need teachers did i establish that teachers in the proper relationship are good give me the next picture good thing wrong relationship this guy was arrested yesterday for being a teacher in an improper relationship with a student. Mary Kay Letourneau was very famous in the wrong way. She was um, arrested in 1997 for an improper relationship with a student. Does that mean teachers are bad? No. Does that mean that I am saying anything negative about teachers? No, because I'm a teacher teaching you tonight. But an improper relationship with a good thing turns it into oppression. You following me? So we're going to talk about some good things. But it's the relationship with those good things that determines whether you are living in freedom or bondage. Did I establish that good enough where you feel like we can carry on? All right. Thank you. Thank you for that. Three things. You ready? 
Money, debt, and material possessions. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go, baby. <laughs> Money, debt, and material possessions. <laughs> Let's put the clip art back up there if we can, Michaela. Everybody needs money. Debt can be a really good thing. My husband and I went into debt to buy rent homes. And that established something really good in our lives where we were able to, to sell a rent home that was completely paid for. But had we not gone in debt, so I'm not preaching against debt, okay? Material possessions. Your money, your debt, and your material possessions in the proper relationship are beneficial. They are needed, okay? Next picture. But your money... Your debt and material possessions in the wrong relationship will distract you, will deter you, will oppress you. Okay? Now I can breathe. I got it out. Anybody, you can act like you're going to get popcorn if, you're, if you want to leave. I'll, I, don't want, I won't look. <laughs> All right. So... Hopefully I made that clear where you know I'm not teaching against these three things. But if we allow these three things to be in the wrong place in our lives, then they become very evil taskmasters. Let me use some scriptures here. Luke 12 and 34, Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what Jesus is teaching, he's not saying anything bad about treasure. It's the relationship with it okay he is teaching us here that treasure which can be money which can be wealth which can be possessions as taskmasters they seek to tie your heart to the kingdom of this world but money and possessions treasures in the right relationship can tie your heart to the kingdom of god and i'm going to show you a lot of different comparing and contrasting in the bible where I think you will have some revelation by the time you leave tonight. So money, wealth, treasure, provision, possessions, all of that stuff in its right relationship can tie you to the kingdom of God, but in the wrong relationship seeks to tie you to the kingdom of this world. Let's look at a healthy relationship with money, and material possessions. First Timothy 6, verse 17 through 19 says, Command those who are rich in this present age. Okay, nothing wrong here with being rich because he would say, Command those who are rich in this present age to know that they are sinning and they need to get to the altar. That's not what he says. He says, Command those who are rich, who have wealth, in this present age, command them to have the right relationship with it. Not to be haughty. Nor to trust. To trust in uncertain riches. Do you see the two different relationships right there with a good thing? Don't trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. It's establishing right there. A taskmaster and the real master you see it don't trust in wealth that's your worldly taskmaster trust in the real master while you have wealth see that 
Okay. Who gives us richly all things to enjoy. And he tells us the source for all the good things. Okay? So that is showing a healthy relationship. Keep going. Let's go to the next one. Let those people with wealth do good. He's not saying shame on you for wealth. But tie it to the kingdom of God. Do good with it so that you can be rich in good works, ready to give and willing to share. Keep going. Storing up for themselves a good foundation. He said it's good. A good foundation. It tie, let it tie you to a good foundation for the time to come. That. Do you know that your wealth in the right relationship can tie you actually to eternal life? That's what it says, that they may lay hold of eternal life. All right? Keep going. Let's go to 20. I don't think I gave it to her, but let's, um, I'll give you a chance to look it up. I'm going to keep reading. But you don't, you don't even have to put it up there. They can just listen to me, Michaela. It's just fine, baby. I didn't turn this in. But now let's look at the unhealthy relationship. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and a trap and many foolish, harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. I know I said this two weeks ago, but I just have to use the scripture right now so I can show you the truth of this. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some longing for it have gone astray from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So please, I'm, I'm scanning the building. Please raise your hand if you see in those scriptures that I just read the healthy relationship versus the unhealthy relationship with something very good. Okay, so it's going to tie your life to eternal life or it's going to tie you to destruction. Does everybody see that? Because I feel the pressure to make sure that sticks. So now let's use some examples. Real life biblical examples. Example number one. Um, Luke 8. Michaela. Now it came to pass afterward that Jesus went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. Talking about the twelve apostles. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene. Out of whom had come seven demons. Keep going. And Joanna the wife of Chusa. Herod's steward. And Susanna. And many others who. Right here. And many others. Read this with me. Who provided for him from their substance don't tell me substance is not a good thing it's what it's tied to they provided this is what's so amazing to me they provided the very person that provided their provision they provided for Jesus which is the the world because John 1 and 1 says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and then 14 and the word was made flesh Jesus that means Jesus was at the beginning everything came from Jesus and they're providing for Jesus what Jesus provided for them that's a nice cycle 
That's a nice cycle. Okay? So they, you see the healthy relationship here, right? They provided for Jesus from their substance. Okay? Now, you can uh, go back to verse 2, I think, where it says Mary Magdalene. Has everybody heard Mary Magdalene or Magdalene, however you want to say it? Have you heard that name before? Okay, so see, she, she tied, Sherry, get this, it's beautiful. She tied her substance to Jesus and she laid hold of eternal life. Did you know she was the first person that saw the resurrected Christ? He said, there's no way that I'm going to let you have a healthy relationship with something so important and not absolutely pay you back. Okay? Healthy relationship. Now let's look at the opposite. Go back to verse 1. It came to pass afterward that he went, when he went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and everybody say that next line with me, and the 12 were with him. There's a certain gentleman that was with him as Mary Magdalene was providing for them with her substance. There was a man in that number named Judas Iscariot. Let's look at his life. John 12 and 1. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they had made him a supper, and Martha served but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Now, Lazarus here is giving to God, giving to Jesus, right? He's in his home. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus. She took of her substance, this lady did, and tied it to eternal life. You see that? That was very costly, okay? But she planted it in the right place and she took of her substance and she anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair that's another healthy proper relationship with with something really good and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil for but here's the other side one of his disciples Judas Iscariot Simon's son who would betray him. He hadn't betrayed him yet, but he had. Because he's tying his substance to a kingdom. You're going to tie your substance to a kingdom. You don't have that choice. I know I use this line a lot, but let it stick as far as I use this. I hear myself saying this a lot, but I'm just going to say it again. Whether or not you're going to tie your substance to a kingdom is not the question here the question is what kingdom your substance is tied to some kingdom okay but one of his disciples Judas Iscariot Simon's son who would betray him said keep going why was this substance not why was this substance used like this why why this way why was it not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor. Keep going. This he said, not because he cared for the poor, 
but because he was a thief and had the money box and it was a taskmaster to him and he used to take what was put in it how did he end hung himself with substance that was supposed to be good he tied his life to eternal damnation you see the two all right let's do another example example number two John no example number three <clears throat> unhealthy relationship here let's go to Joshua 7 and 1 but the children now this is the very first land of the promised land was Jericho everybody know what Jericho another story of Jericho God told him I'm gonna give you Jericho but don't keep a thing for yourself full of wealth it was a strong city okay but he said none of it belongs to you destroy it all everybody except one every body except one kept it in the proper relationship but there's always that one Aiken found something that was good but had an improper relationship with it and look what happened follow we're still talking about Timothy let's see where he tied his soul because it says do you don't have to go there but back in Timothy just trust me it says It is a trap with foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. See if you see that scripture in action here. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things because they were supposed to be destroyed. For Achan, the son of that gentleman, the son of that gentleman, the son of that person of the tribe of Judah took of the accursed things so the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel and let me just tell you without going through that whole chapter he and his entire household were killed at the command of God very next territory very next territory AI God said this next chapter Joshua 8 look at what the Lord says to everybody that kept it in the proper relationship there is such a thread here that we've got to get and this is not a prosperity message this is keeping us from damnation message okay I'm not teaching prosperity I don't believe that everybody's called to be rich I, I, let's get real not everybody can handle it for some of you, the best thing in your life is that you're not rich because you would go straight to hell with your riches. Others, God has blessed you because you're trustworthy. Some are not blessed, but God's wanting to bless you. And all he needs is you to get this in the right relationship because he's ready to pour just like this, ready to pour on you. Next chapter it's the next land now the Lord said to Joshua do not be afraid do not be dismayed take all the people of war with you and arise go up to Ai see I have given into your hand the king of Ai his people his city and his land keep going 
And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its cattle you get to have this time. You kept it in proper relationship. Now I know I can trust you. I'm about to give it all to you. Okay? You see the difference. Unhealthy versus healthy. So it's not wealth. It's not treasure. It's not prosperity. It's not uh, material possessions that God despises. It's you serving them. Right? It's you serving good things that burns God with anger. Let's go to Deuteronomy 8 and 11. I'm going to read this one really quick. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments. And just follow me, Michaela. I'm going to do some jumping. Lest when you have eaten and are full and you've built beautiful houses and you dwell in them, when your heart, keep going, is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. Be careful that you don't let good things cause you to forget the giver of good things. Go on to, keep, keep scrolling, there's a certain line I want to get to. Go to 15. Okay, keep going. Who fed you in the wilderness? This is all the good things God did. Keep going. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. That is a deception that comes when these good things are in the wrong relationship in your life. Okay, you forget the giver of them. Verse 18. And you shall remember the Lord your God for, read this next, starting at four with me. For it is he who gives you power to get wealth. When you keep him the master, he gives you the power to have good things. Okay. So Jesus came and he began teaching i'm going to take you through some of jesus's teachings and and i know this is not a make you want to shout sermon this is probably not a sermon that's going to make people um feel like whoo my goodness the presence of god was there so strong while she was teaching i understand that but the lord spoke to me because i i could i could battle sensationalism because i thoroughly enjoy y'all standing on your feet when i'm leading worship so it's hard to teach and you sit there. This is not fun for me because I would much rather just be running all over this place and y'all standing and lifting your hands and the presence of God just moving in your life. But the Lord spoke to me and he said, revival, revival, don't forget, Brienne. I was having revival when I walked on this earth. I'm just asking you to say what I said when I was on this earth. And here's how he said, said it. Yes, we have to have the jumping and the, the celebration. We have to. But he said, you can't have that and not have the breaking of chains. I mean, what good does it do to just come and jump with just as much room as our chains are going to let us have and then we leave bound? No, you get the jumping and then you get the releasing of bondage too. 
That's what this lesson is. This lesson is God literally walking up and saying, Kaylee, I'm just going to identify something that you didn't realize and I'm going to snip it. I'm going to just identify something maybe that opens your eyes and then I'm going to clip it. That's revival. That's revival when we leave and we go home and we, we are changed and not chained. Okay, that's revival. Now, understand, I'm not saying the other's not, I won't, I do not ever want to go to a dead church. So I'm not saying this and not that. I'm not, and I'm, I'm definitely making sure to say it's not that and not this. It's this and that. We need this and that. We need the freedom to lift our hands with no chains attached to them. We need the freedom to run with no fetters on our feet. And when you wake up tomorrow, whether or not you have taskmasters in your life, if you get rid of the taskmasters, that's revival. So let's talk about what Jesus said. Luke 12, 14 through 34. I'm not going to read 20 verses. Don't worry. I'm going to read through it quick. Jesus said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. Luke 12. Okay, go on to the next one. She gave you the wrong ones, Michaela. That should be Luke 12. I'm going to give you time to find it. Luke 12, 14 through 34. Great job, baby girl. But Jesus said to him, man who made a judge. Okay, that's, he's talking to somebody else. Now go to 15. <clears throat> he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. Read this with me. I know I'm having you do that because I want you to be engaged. Hear the words of Jesus. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. What? Excuse me? The American dream. No. Make sure. Jesus was not delusional. Jesus was not mistaken. And Jesus didn't stutter when he said it. He clearly said, one's life is not found in the abundance of things he possesses. He didn't say there was something wrong with possessions, but you just don't find your life in it. It's not your heartbeat. Okay? You can have good things, but they are not your life. Your life is not found in that. Then he spoke a parable to them. And he said, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, well, what shall I do? I, I mean, I have enough stuff. So he said, I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. So take your ease. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Two masters there. Treasure, God. Two good things there. 
Treasure's great, but not when it's in God's place. Not when you're serving it. So he said, therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life. Go down, Michaela, to the part where he says, uh, for all these things. He says, for all these things, things of this world, the nations of the world seek after. And your father knows you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God first. And he didn't say he's going to leave you without the other. It's a no-brainer on paper. On paper, if we could just trust God, it's enough. If we seek Him first, the blessings are going to chase us down. But if we chase the blessings, it's going to be trap after trap after trap at the expense of our families, peace, eternity. Jesus told this to His followers in Luke 10, 3 through 4. This stuck out to me. So it's like it, w- it would be people like us, people that were following him, and he sent them out to go heal the sick, uh, tell the blind to, to see, cast out demons. He sent them out to do that, okay? But look what he said. He said um, it's going to be Luke 10, 3 through 4, Michaela. He says, go forth. For I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. This, this, this caught my attention. Keep going. He said, don't carry a money bag, a knapsack. Let me, let me read it in another. <laughs> I'm going to read it in another version. He says, go forth. I'm sending you as lambs in the midst of wolves. And he says this. Do not be burdened with a money belt. What? Lord, money never burdens me. Like the presence of money never. No, don't be burdened with a money belt. Don't be burdened with a travel bag or shoes. And I I, I saw that and I was like, burdened? But that's all good stuff. And he spoke to me. He said, it's not that I wanted them to be poor. I didn't want them to have too much of something good. Too much of a good thing is a burden. I know, I know you want to fight back with that. I know. You're like, but I would never have it. If I just had more money, you don't understand, Pastor Bree. If I just had more things, I wouldn't be struggling. No. No, you would still be struggling because it's right here. And when this clicks, then God can trust you with more. So he said, don't be burdened with a money belt or travel bag. That's possessions or shoes. So it's not because he wants his followers to be poor. The principle here is too much of even something good can become a burden. And the person that's going to hear this knows I'm talking about them. They They have a family member that has money growing on trees but can not enjoy it. There's no peace. Constant fear. Constant fear of losing it. Constant fear of it being stolen from them. Constant fear. It's a burden. It's too much. I'm closing. Let me tell you about debt. I'm going to read it like I wrote it because I, I felt I heard from the Lord. 
if you'll turn the house lights down. I know I haven't taught on debt, and I'm not planning to teach on debt, because if we get the covetousness out of the way, then we can move forward with a healthy relationship with debt in the future. But let's get real. Some of us have got past debt that is hanging over our, hanging over our heads and oppressing. And this is what I felt like the Lord speak to me or said to me. I felt the Lord tell me that there are people who have found themselves literally in bondage to debt. Tied, I could see a picture, tied up with debt, bound by debt. And I felt him say that he is going to miraculously set you free from the taskmaster of debt. He said it's not going to make sense to you. And your only explanation for it will be but God. So you, I know, it makes no sense. You, you can't see how you're going to get out of the debt you're under. And the Lord said, I am breaking my people out of the prison of debt. But not for them. Not for them. Otherwise, he could just leave you in it. He said, I'm going to make sure they know. I'm going to break them out of the prison of debt because I need them to be able to serve me freely. I don't need them to go get tied up and entangled in it again. I need them to be able to serve me freely. So he, ha he very much has ulterior motives for this miracle in your life because he wants you to serve him. And you didn't, you didn't have this understanding when you got so bound with debt. You didn't understand that you were having an improper relationship with a good thing, but it became a taskmaster, and next thing you knew, it's out of control, and, and you're oppressed, and you're bound by it. And he said, I'm going in, and I'm miraculously going to release my people from the bondage of debt, miraculously. Then he told me this. He said, debt cancellation is such a big deal to me that I, that I implemented it in the Torah. Deuteronomy 15. He said, at the end of every seven years, release the debt. He's a debt-releasing God. Repent. Repent of it. God, I'm sorry. I have the wrong I was covetous, or maybe I went through a divorce, or whatever. Either way, I, I got myself in this mess, but I can't get myself out of this mess, so I repent, and I'm asking you to come in and set me free. And he says, I'm going to, and then I'm going to say, follow me. Follow me. With your money, follow me. With your possessions, follow me. Deuteronomy 15, 1 through 6. I'm not going to read it, but come on, David Clay, if you will. Davy, y'all can come on out. The last thing the Lord told me, and then I'm going to be through. So he took me to, to Peter. Um, Michaela, it's going to be in Luke 5, verse 1. 
And uh, Peter was fishing. He had toiled all night, fished and fished and fished and didn't get anywhere. And as you know, Jesus showed up and he's like, hey, cast your net again. And, and so Peter did. And, and what happened? He pulled up, I mean, just tons and tons and tons of, of fish. Maybe Peter, maybe, maybe the chosen is right. Maybe Peter had a debt that needed to be paid. We know that Peter was bound by the empire kingdom, which I spent two weeks talking about. Peter was bound by the empire kingdom, and he was working his tail off under the empire kingdom to getting nowhere. Jesus stepped into his life, performed a miracle of provision, and then Jesus said, go look at what I said next. Follow me. So he said, tell my people. Come to me if you need a miracle in your finances. You can come to him. If you need to be released from the bondage of debt, you can come to him. If you need more possessions, you can come to him. He said they can gladly come to me and I'm going to perform miracles in these particular areas but make sure they know when they walk away from the altar and your altar can be where you are right now make sure they know that I'm saying follow me follow me so I'm relieving you of your taskmasters so follow me I'm relieving you of the burdensome good too many good things And I'm going to bless you, but follow me with it. And here's the order. When we're chasing God, then these things follow us. I already said that. That's the proper order. Chase God and let those things follow you. But if at any time they become, let me use some examples. Tim and Julio, will you come? Let Timbo be God. And, and you're the things. You're the, you didn't even get to hear this sermon, but welcome, brother. How was the prison? All right, awesome. Okay, so you're God, and I'm following you. Go that way, if you will. All right, so I'm chasing God. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added unto you, okay? And we could have fun, and I could just tell a bunch of y'all to come because blessings will chase you down. Read Deuteronomy 28, okay? Now, the problem is, you go, uh-oh, now they're between they're between me and God and I can't see who provided and I start thinking I did that we need the presence of all of that but it's the position of it it's your position you should never be leading you should, you should never and, and that, that's a silly example I don't even have to bring that up of course I wouldn't get in front of God but I sure might let the other get between me and God. Stand to your feet. I hope I didn't bore you to death with that. I'm going to ask you to bow your head. I'm not going to give and I'm not going to ask people to come to the altar and here's why because when you're going to battle within your mind of like, what are people going to think? But I'm just going to say this. Isaiah 61. 
This is what God said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the good news to the poor, to set the captives free. If you have been under the oppression of, of the taskmasters that I spoke about tonight, the Lord is not shaming you. He is here to set you free. And all you have to do, but you have to do it, is say, God, I need you. I need you, Father, to give me a master miracle. I've got the wrong masters in my life. I've got the presence of the wrong masters in my life. I need a master miracle. And this is how he said it. You heard me say it a couple weeks ago. In this series, he's going to take taskmasters and get them behind you. They're going to chase you down rather than being in front of you and oppressing you. Why don't you just lift your hands right now and open your heart to receive. Father, only you can do it. Only you can fulfill the word that you spoke. I can't. But I release faith right now. I release my faith. If you said it, I'm going to believe it. You said you were going to raise the dead and you did. You said you were going to open blind eyes and Jamie Kane had a miracle in her eye. You said that you were going to do big things. You said you were going to bring prodigals and you are. So why would we quit believing now? Open up the windows of heaven, God, and give us a master miracle. And we hear you say, and follow me. Somebody say, yes, I will. Somebody say, yes, I will. I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. You can stay in here and pray if you need to process this or if you need to make sure that it's in the proper place in your life. But may the Lord bless you and keep you. He wants to bless you.